0: You're listening to a podcast by Abide Church and Pastor Dan DeBell in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pray this podcast helps you live, love, and look more like Jesus this week. Enjoy the message. Hey, today we are continuing our series called Increase. And we've been saying this, this is our sixth week. I think we're in it now. We've been saying this, whatever area of your life that you want to see increase in, in 2023, we need to increase Jesus in that area. And it's all coming from John 3.30. John the Baptist said this. He said, he, meaning Jesus, he must increase, but I must decrease. And he was talking about a specific, specific situation for himself and his ministry, but the principle behind it is so good for us to apply to our lives. It basically is this, Lord, I'm going to humble myself or decrease myself so that I can increase you. And we know we've been looking at God's word a lot in this series. We know that when we increase Jesus, the word of God, the principles from God's word, the truth of God's word, when we increase that in any area of our life, God is going to be able to work more fully in that area, which means he's going to bring increase in that area. Today, though, we're going to be talking about how to have increase in the freedom that Jesus brings you and me. How do we have increase in freedom? How do we experience increase in freedom? Uh, We all need help experiencing the freedom that God has for us. Hopefully you know this. God wants you to be free. He wants you to be free from addiction, free from sin, free from bondage, free from um, thinking that would hold you back or depressive thoughts. He, he wants you to have uh, freedom in many areas, all the areas of our life, freedom that would bless us, that allows us to do what he's called us to do so we can live this life and run this race without things holding us back. And, and there's all different types of things that we may that we may need freedom from. And so as I was preparing this message, sometimes it's hard for me to nail down, Lord, what's the angle that you want to talk about today. Because when you're preparing a message, God's word is so connected. When you choose to talk about one topic or one angle of a topic, you're also choosing not to talk about like a hundred other things that closely tie into this thing. And so uh, I'm going to talk about a lot of different things today. Things from uh, feeling like uh, you need freedom from condemnation. Maybe you grew up in a church that was super strict and super legalistic, and it was so crazy that even if you, they would tell you that, you know, if you said a cuss word two seconds before the rapture, well, guess what? You sinned, and so you didn't make it. God's not going to take you to heaven. You didn't. You missed the cut by. That much, right? Like you cuss right before the rapture, something crazy like that. And you, so you, you carried around such a weight of condemnation of having to perform at a certain level. And it's just unbearable. Maybe you need freedom from a uh, thought life or, or negative thoughts or from addiction, from, from a bad habit, from sinful behavior. Maybe you, you uh, battle with, with alcohol or with lust or homosexual temptations. Maybe you battle with lying or gossiping. Uh, maybe you just need freedom, like I said, from, from condemnation of how you grew up. There's a lot of different things that we can talk about. I'm going to try to talk about a lot of those big things today and show you how God wants you to experience freedom, in every area of your life. And here's how we're going to do that. We're going to look at the story of the prodigal son. It's found in Luke chapter 15. Now, the story of the prodigal son, just a brief recap. I don't have time to read the entire story today, but a brief recap. You have a father and he has two sons. One of his sons comes to him and he says, Dad, I'm, I want my inheritance now. Give me what, what you owe me, basically. And so his dad, being a good father, he gives him what he owes him. He gives him his inheritance and the son takes it and he squanders it. He, he wastes it. He uses it on a sinful lifestyle. He goes out, and he spends it far from his family, and we're going to talk about the, the second half of the story here in just a little bit, but he he runs away, basically, and he wastes his entire inheritance, and so today, comparing to that story, I'm going to talk about four things that we need to do if we're going to experience increase in our freedom. So hopefully you're ready. If, uh, if, you're, if you're not ready to take notes, get ready to take notes. Get a pen, a paper, get your phone ready. Uh, again, not for Facebook or social media, but get it ready so you can take some notes today. Uh, the first thing we got to do is this. If I'm going to experience freedom, I need to admit that I need help. I have to choose to admit, hey, you know what? I need help in this area. I've been struggling in this area. I want to be free in this area. I want to be free from this thing that's holding me back, that's keeping me in bondage. I need help. Maybe you've tried to get free, but you just can't shake it. Uh, I need need help. That's the first thing that we got to do is we have to admit that I need help. If I never admit that I need help, uh, I never admit that I need a Savior, then we really... Take Jesus off the throne of our life. And we think, I can just save myself. I, if I, I, you know, I, I'll figure it out. I'll just put my head down and just keep working harder. And eventually, I will free myself. When Jesus says, no, I want to be your Savior first. I want to be your Lord second. Jesus is saying, if you would invite me in, I will save you. I will set you free from that thing that is holding you back. But let's look at it in Luke chapter 15. And verse 17 is where we're going to start. This is when the Son, He's far away. He's found Himself feeding pigs. That's how much he's wasted all of his money. He just needs a job. And he also just needs a a scrap of food to stay alive. And he finds himself feeding pigs. Luke 15, 17 says, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. The first part though that is what we're looking at. It says, but when he came to himself, meaning this, he came to his senses. He eventually came to his senses and he realized, what am I doing here? Like I had it made even my, even the people that worked for my dad, they got it made and I had it made. I was his son. Like I had it so good. Why am I here feeding these pigs? And the thing is spiritually in today's world, um, many believers are living in the pig pen. Many believers are living in the pig pen spiritually uh, you know we look at this story, and he is still a son he's a prodigal son he's a son that's far from home, yes, but he's still a son and, and, and he's so far away and this is what happens to many believers they, they go their own way, they eventually begin to they, they drift and they get comfortable, complacent in their Christian walk, and eventually they wake up and they think, "How did I get here? How did I get here where I am overcome with sin and, and just addicted to this thing or I have these thoughts and I can't shake them how did I?" get here. If we're going to find freedom, we have to admit that we need help. And the only way to increase freedom in your life is to admit that you need help. Another way of saying it is this, the only people who can't get free are the ones who won't admit that they have a problem. Let me say that again. The only people who can't get free are the ones who won't admit that they have a problem. So here's what we have to do. I got to admit that I have a problem. That means I have to decrease myself. And if I will decrease myself and increase Jesus, I will increase in freedom. It's the first step. There's more work that we got to do, more things that we need to do. But it's the first step. Whenever I say, you know what? Hold up. I need, I need some help right here. Will somebody help me? Lord, will you help me? Oh, I surround some, my, myself with some friends. Hey, will you help me? I'm going through something. I need some guidance here. So admit that you need help. Point number two is this. Repent to God and to other people. Repent to God and to other people. If I'm going to find freedom from sin, freedom from things that are going on in my life, one of the things we got to do is we need to repent to God and to other people. Let's continue in Luke 15. Next verse is verse 18. And here's what he says. Again, he hasn't gone back to his father yet. He's thinking about when he goes back to his father. Here's what he's going to say. He says, I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. What do we see? Repent to God and to other people. This is what he's choosing to do. Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. Now, repentance and confession are not the same thing. If you've lived long enough and been in enough friendships, relationships, whatever, you know this to be true. Maybe you just grew up with a brother or sister who was pretty good at this. Um, You can confess your sins and not actually repent, right? Uh, You know, many times, maybe you grew up with a brother or sister that they were good at. If they got caught, they would confess. Yeah, all right. It was me. You caught me, but they wouldn't repent, meaning they wouldn't ever change or learn from it or adjust their thinking or anything like that. They would confess, but they would not repent. There's a difference. The original Greek for the word repentance actually means to change your mind, change your mind. Oftentimes, whenever we teach on repentance, we talk about a turning away or turning from your sin to follow Jesus, an action of changing your behavior. But honestly, when we look at the original language, the original Greek, it means to change your mind. Before I can change my behavior, before I can turn from my my past life, one of the things I have to do is i got to change my thought life. If I will change my thoughts, my thoughts will then begin to affect my behavior. And so it's really interesting as you do a study, you need to uh, um, repent, meaning I need to learn to change my mind. And so let's break that down for just a second. I got to change my mind about God. I gotta change my mind about God, meaning this. I gotta remind myself that God's not up in heaven with his arms crossed, waiting for me to screw up so that he can strike me down with a lightning bolt or bash me over the head or just toss me into hell early. That's not the God that we serve. We serve a good heavenly Father, but I gotta change my mind about God. That's one of the things that keeps us from repentance keeps us from uh, coming clean and getting forgiveness and getting freedom is that we have a wrong way of thinking about God, that he's an angry father waiting for us to mess up so he can bash us over the head and throw us into hell. That is not our heavenly father. I need to change uh, my my mind about myself. This is a big one. I need to change my mind about myself that I got to remind myself that I am who God has made me to be. I am not who, who, what other people have labeled me, what my parents said about me that was negative, what that coach said to me, what that, what that person at school said to me, that, uh, what that boss spoke over me in that season of my life. I'm not those things that people labeled me. No, I am who my creator designed me to be. I need to change my mind about God. I need to change my mind about myself. And I need to change my mind about my sin. I need to remind myself that sin has no hold on me anymore. If I'm a believer, I can walk free from sin. doesn't mean I'm never going to stumble or or, or, or fall into sin or something like that. No, I may stumble from time to time. I'm not going to be perfect this side of heaven. However, I can be free from the addictions of sin. I can be free from the power of sin in my life. I got to remind myself, it doesn't have a hold on me anymore. And let me just encourage you and remind you of this truth right here. Um, What you struggle with is not your identity. What you are tempted with is not your identity. There's a lot of people, and in today's world, there's a lot of people, maybe even Christians and young people that they are struggling or they're tempted with homosexual thoughts or behavior. They're tempted that way. I wanna remind you, you don't get to choose your temptations, but you do choose your response. You may be tempted that way, but that does not mean that's your identity. See, the world would tell you, oh, that's how you feel, that's how you are, and that's who you are. No, that's not what scripture says. In fact, in Romans 12:2 it says this, "Do not be conformed to this world," meaning don't agree with this world. This world is going crazy, right? Look at the news. The world is telling you right now, "Oh, you're 3 years old and you're a boy, but you said today that you feel like a girl. That means you are a girl." No, do not be conformed to this world. That's a lie from the enemy. Why? Uh, I'm going to get off on a little bit of a side thing here, but listen to me. Our God doesn't make mistakes. And so if he made you a man, if you were born a man, he made you a man for a reason. He's got a plan for you as a man, as a man of God, as a son of God. If he made you a woman, if you were born a woman, then guess what? He has a plan for you as a woman, as a daughter of the most high God. He doesn't make mistakes. He didn't make mistakes on you. He's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. He's got good things for you. Don't conform to the world. But here's what the rest of the verse says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's the point renew your mind or what it's repenting. I'm learning to change my mind, change my thoughts, change my my, my patterns of my behavior. I want to remind you of this. Your spirit is made brand new at salvation. When I put my faith in Jesus, I'm brand new. My, My spirit's brand new. I'm made brand new in Christ. I am born again into his kingdom as a son, a daughter of the most high God. But your mind must be renewed Every single day. And that's what this verse is talking about. Don't conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewing, renewing of your mind. I got to make it new every single day. One of the ways we did this in kids ministry, when I started in kids ministry, we did this illustration or this object lesson where we would have a fake brain and we would bring it out and we talk about how as you go through this life, even as you go through your daily life, your brain, it gets stuff put on it. Maybe you have a bad thought and it's like putting dirt all over it. Uh, maybe you, you saw a commercial that made you feel dirty and it's like putting you know worms and we would just put all this junk and this garbage on this. Maybe somebody said something to you at school or somebody said something to you at work and it makes your mind filled or covered in garbage and in dirt and in grossness and you just feel gross. As you go through life, we would say, we hold this brain, this fake brain and we just cover it in nasty stuff. As you go through life, The devil wants to make your brain look gross and nasty like this. That's how the world will treat you. But God's word says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we do that? How do I renew my mind? How do I make my mind new every morning, every day? It's by washing it with the water, the living water of God's word. And so we get out a little bowl of soapy water and a sponge, and then we dip that brain in there and we begin to scrub it. And basically we talk about how every time we would speak God's word over our mind, how I have the mind of Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we begin to wash that brain. I am God's masterpiece. I am created in his image. I am beautifully and wonderfully made. And as I'm doing that, I'm washing this brain. And eventually it would be perfect, clean, look like it was brand new. And we'd say that is how you renew your mind. You got to give your brain a bath. And that's good for kids ministry. That's good for adults too. Next time you start to feel these thoughts coming into your mind, these things that hold you back, the, the battlefield of your mind, you got to remind yourself, you know what? What is God's word say? About me. I need to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I gotta give my brain a bath from time to time. So that's what repentance means. It's beginning to change my mind. But what do we say? We gotta repent to God and to man. Let me show you a few verses. James five sixteen says this, Confess your trespasses or your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Here's what it says. Confess your sins, pray together. That word healed in the original language says, it means this, to free from errors and sins. If I want to find freedom, I need to confess to God and to others. I need to repent to God and to others. Look at Matthew 5. Verse 23, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there, remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then, or second, come and offer your gift at the altar is what he's saying. So here's what God's saying. God's saying, look, if you want to get right with me, you need to get right with others first. And this is a big one. Many people are coming to God. They're repenting to God, yet they're holding onto a grudge or a wrongdoing that they did to someone else. They haven't repented, asked for forgiveness and attitudes towards someone or bitterness towards someone or, or an action towards someone. They haven't repented, but they're expecting God to bring freedom, but they haven't seemed to get fully free from something. Many times it's because we have, uh, we've missed a step. In fact, I would just say it this way. Have you ever sinned and you've confessed to God and you said to yourself, I am never going to do that again. So last time, I'm not going to say that again. I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to uh, be in that situation again. I'm not going to ever do that again. Um, only to, you know, in a few days or a few weeks, do that again. Anybody ever been there? Yeah, I think we've all been there, right? We could all raise our hand for that. We've all been there. Many times that happens because we've missed a step. Many times that happens because we didn't confess to God and to others. God and to others. If you're married, God's given you a spouse that you can confess to, that you can be honest with, that you can find freedom and healing together and with one another. It's a big deal. Um, if you're married... And uh, you need to confess some things or repent for some things. You don't need to be going to someone of the opposite sex to confess that to and not be confessing to your spouse. That's setting yourself up for disaster and a whole bunch of stuff. I'm not going to go down that road and talk more about that, but there's some guardrails for you. You need to confess. Even if you're not married, it's best to find someone that's the same sex as you, a male to male, female to female, so that you can talk about it and talk about it without distractions or without the enemy trying to mess up anything else going on. But the prodigal shows us he confesses to the Father and to heaven is what it says. Why? There is no freedom in darkness. If I'm hanging on to something, if I haven't repented from something, I'm hiding it in the closet, I'm hiding it in darkness in my life, God can't work in it. I'm keeping it from him. But whenever I confess and I repent to God and to others, I bring it into the light. And when there is light, there is freedom. The next one is this, point number three, reject condemnation. I need to learn to reject Condemnation. And this is a big one. It's going to take me a little bit to kind of break this down to show you the angle that I'm coming from for today. But um, reject condemnation. Every bondage that the devil wants to tie you up with begins with a lie. Everything he wants to put you in bondage with, make you a slave to, it begins with a lie. What you do with that lie will determine the level of freedom you experience. Let me say that again. What you do with the lie that the enemy throws your way will determine the level of freedom that you experience. Let's continue in our story. We're going to look at Luke 15, verse 19. This is before the son has gone back home. He's still thinking to himself, kind of rehearsing a speech he's going to say to his dad when he gets home. Luke 15, 19 says this, And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. I'm no longer worthy. Worthy. Two things to note here. Number one is this he shows genuine repentance. The son shows genuine repentance. And we we just talked about this, so I'm not going to dive into this a little bit more, but he knew he was wrong. Uh, He was willing to confess and to repent. And, And most importantly, he was willing to change. He was willing to come home, humble himself, and say, I was wrong. I don't need the spot at the table that I used to have. Just, just keep me around and I will work for you, dad. I don't even have to be a part of the family if you don't want me to. What does that show? That shows a genuine change of heart, a humble heart to say, I don't need the position of son back. I should just be here and I'll just serve your house. So genuine repentance. God honors genuine repentance. repentance. Point, the second thing though to, to note is this. We see the beginning of a lie. And this is where I want to break this down. The beginning of a lie. What does he say? He says, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Now, at this point in time in the story, that is an accurate statement. That is probably true. Yeah, you messed up. You dishonored their family name. You wasted your dad's hard-earned money that he was saving to set you up for success in the future. You wasted it all. Yes, that's probably an accurate statement. You shouldn't be called his son. But if he hangs on to that thought, long enough, or he lets that thought linger long enough. In the long term, it will come back and it will hurt him. Let's continue in our story. Then I'm going to show you exactly what I mean. Luke 15, we're going to go to verse 20 now, just continuing on. And it says this, and he, this is the son, he arose and he came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. Jesus is sharing this story, and as he's sharing this story, he's reflecting this earthly father here as a reflection of the heavenly father. And I'm going to stop here for a second and just encourage you, if you feel far from God today, maybe you are far from God today because you've been living a sinful lifestyle that's not in agreement with God's word. I want to show you and remind you that your heavenly father, he sees you and he has compassion on you. And all it takes from you is one step or one turn towards God and he will run to you. He is waiting for you to come home. He's excited for you to come home and to come into his family. So if you feel far from God, if you are far from God, have hope today. You have a heavenly father who sees you, number one, but he has compassion on you and he's waiting for you. Let's continue reading. It says this, the father saw him. He had compassion. He ran and he fell on his neck and he kissed him. And the son said to to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. There it is again. He's bringing it back up. Verse 22. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf here and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. For this son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to to be Mary. Here's what we see. He faced the beginning of a lie. What was it? I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Even though his father's response was grace, mercy and forgiveness. There's no doubt just in our human DNA, how how we are made, how we think, how the enemy can manipulate our thoughts and give us thoughts. There's no doubt this son would continue to be tempted to feel guilt even after experiencing forgiveness. Now, do we see that in this story and in scripture? No, this is a story that Jesus was telling as an example of what the kingdom of God is like. So we don't see this, but I want to show the principle of this. And I believe this to be true, that even though the response of the father was grace and mercy, there's no doubt the son would continue to uh, be tempted to feel guilt even after experiencing forgiveness why is that because i would guarantee that whoever you are listening or watching this right now that you've felt the same way maybe you've been forgiven but you've still carried guilt you know according to god's word you've been forgiven but you still felt guilty or were tempted to feel guilty from time to time i would guarantee that it would be the same way the principle is there the son what did he, he had this entire speech planned right dad I, i'm i'm not worthy I'm no good. I've dishonored you. I'll never be good enough to carry your last name anymore. Like, just, just let me be around the family. I don't need to be in the family. He had this whole speech and the father doesn't even hear him out. The father almost doesn't even acknowledge. What do you mean you're not my son? He doesn't even acknowledge it. What does he do? He just receives his child. He receives his child back home and he restores him. And today... I wanna ask you this question. Can you relate to the son? Can you relate to this son? Have you done things that even though you've confessed, you've repented to God and to others, you still feel guilty or you still feel tempted to feel guilty? You still battle guilt in your heart and in your mind. You still think the same thoughts that the son was thinking in the story I'm not worthy. I'm no good. Oh, Lord, I've dishonored you. Lord, I'll never again be good enough to carry your name, Christian. I'll never be good enough to carry that name ever again because of what I've done. Maybe you've battled those thoughts of who am I to stand here? Who am I to tell other people about Jesus? Like, I'm, I'm still going through it. I'm still messing up. I'm still, who, who am I? I'm not worthy. Can you relate to this, son? I know I can But I want to remind you, and God wanted me to remind you today of the Father's response. Jesus makes it clear what the Father's response is to the Son in the story. But He's showing us the Heavenly Father's response to you today. When you come home and you repent, and you have genuine repentance in your heart, meaning you for, you confess to God and to others and, and to other people, and you show up and you say, I I, I, I want to make things right. And you humble yourself. You decrease yourself, and you increase Him, and say, Lord, I want your will to be done in my life, whatever it means. When you do that, genuine repentance opens the door for God to move in your life. And God responds. The Heavenly Father responds the same way the earthly father did. And here's what God does for you. God says, when you come and you're genuinely repenting, God, God says, get the finest robe in all of heaven. It's the robe of Jesus's righteousness, the, the robe of righteousness, and put it on them. Put it on you. He says, put it on them. That's what Isaiah sixty-one ten says. It says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. Here it is. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. When you come to God and you get clean and you say, Lord, forgive me. He says, give them the finest robe in all of heaven. It's the robe of righteousness, which is Jesus's robe. The second thing he does is says, get a ring and put it on their finger. What did the ring represent? It represented affection towards someone. It represented in that time, royalty and inheritance. It's so good. The meaning behind this gets so deep. Romans eight seventeen says this. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. You have an inheritance in the kingdom of God. When you become a son and a daughter of the most high, he has affection for you. He has an inheritance for you. He has good things for you. And the last thing God says, when you come to him, is he says, get sandals and put it on their feet. Spiritual sandals, spiritual ring. That's what I'm talking about here. Spiritual sandals put on their feet. The sandals in this time were a benefit of the family. Many of the, the slaves and the servants were, they went around barefoot as they worked. But the family members had sandals on their feet. And Psalm 103, verse 2 says this Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. The sandals are the benefits of the kingdom of God. And I would encourage you to read Psalm 103 this week. Read it, and you're going to see all the benefits that you have a right to. God's response to genuine repentance is grace and forgiveness and restoration. But. Here's where I'm talking about rejecting condemnation. You have a spiritual enemy who would love to tell you otherwise. God's response is grace, forgiveness, restoration. Not because you worked hard and you earned it. That's not what I'm saying today. It's because Jesus paid a price for you to have a free access, free access to the grace of God and salvation and righteousness so you could be close to a righteous God, a holy God but the enemy would love to tell you otherwise. There's this famous quote. I don't know who said it first, but it's been going around for several years now, maybe for a long, longer than that. But it says this, the devil knows your name, but he calls you by your sin. God knows your sin, but he calls you by your name. And that is a great example of what condemnation is. God sees you. He knows that you've sinned. He knows that you've messed up. But when you come to him, he doesn't call you by your sin. He doesn't call you an addict. He doesn't call you uh, trapped in depression or something like that. No, he says, I see you, son. I see you. Daughter, He calls you by your name, but the devil, he knows your name. He knows you're a son or a daughter of the Most High, but he will only call you by your sin to try to keep you back. Romans 8.1 says this though, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Condemnation is a trick of the enemy to cause you to constantly be looking back at your past. It's a trick for you to always be like, man, I, I know I'm forgiven. I've, I've asked for forgiveness, but I still think about that time when I messed up. I know I'm living this life, but I think about my past life. I know I'm living free, but I think about when I was addicted to that stuff. I know that I'm living this way or have this relationship now, but all I can think about is what happened in that relationship. And it keeps you looking back. Condemnation gets your focus not on Jesus, where we're supposed to be. And it gets us focused on our past and what happened and where we were and what, who did this and, and I did that and all this Stuff, and we're, and we're, we're stifled and condemnation is from the enemy because of that. Condemnation is from the enemy because it will stifle your spiritual growth by keeping you idle. When I'm looking back, I can't run the race with endurance. When I'm looking back, I am prone to fall more, to run into things and to stumble I can't run a race if I'm looking backwards. I need to be looking forward to the end, to where Jesus is, keeping my eyes fixed on him. But the opposite is what God wants to do. Condemnation is from the enemy. Conviction is from God because it will help you correct things in your life so that you can move forward into more and more spiritual growth. And this is where I kind of want to wrap up today is this. We need to reject condemnation, but we need to receive conviction. Reject condemnation, but receive conviction. Because we have a good Heavenly Father who responds in grace to genuine repentance, the grace of God is often abused. And this is what I see in a lot of people I've talked to over the years, and even even just talking with other people, I realize that people like to abuse the grace of God because they can continue to live however they want um, there's a lot of teaching on grace in today's church, capital C Church, but I think sometimes we may take it too far, meaning this, grace by itself is not Jesus. Truth by itself is not Jesus. Jesus is grace and truth together. That's why John 1:17 says, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. He is both. I can't be all grace and no truth, but I also can't be all truth without any grace. Jesus is the perfect example of both of those coming together. And that's why I like to say this. The grace of Jesus is not a pass to continue sinning. It is an invitation to live righteously. The, the the grace of God is not a pass to continue sinning. Many would like to abuse it and use it that way. Well, if I mess up, I'll just ask for forgiveness later or I'm just going to do this one more time. What's the big deal? I'll just get forgiveness later. I'll just talk to God about it later. Me and God got it figured out. It's not a pass to continue sinning. The grace of God is an invitation to go to a new level and to live righteously. Now, it doesn't mean that I'm never going to sin ever again. I'm still going to fall for all have fallen short. However, it does invite me to daily become more and more like Christ while I am on this earth. But I can't grow and I can't mature spiritually if I'm not a student of God's word. So how do I develop conviction so that I can grow? How do I get conviction so that I know what's right and what's wrong? And what do I need to get rid of and lay down and, 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 and move past in my life? Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper Than the sharpest two edged sword, cutting through soul and spirit between joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. It's the Word of God. The more that I study, the more that I learn, the more that I read of the Word of God, what am I doing? I'm increasing the Word of God. The more that I do that, the more God's character builds in me. And so when I'm in situations, when I would be tempted to do what I used to do, or I would be tempted to be condemned about what I've done in the past, or I would be tempted to fall into a sin that I, that I am drawn to, or I'm, I'm prone to fall into, I have something in me that says, hold on, hold on, hold on. When I'm full of the word of God, here's what happens. When I'm full of the word of God, and I get tempted to go back to my old sinful lifestyle or I get tempted to to stumble, I begin to stumble into sin or, or to feel condemnation, the Holy Spirit will rise up in me and he will say, hold on, hold up a second. That's not right. That's not godly. That's not you. You are forgiven. Whatever he needs to speak, he will bring it in your spirit and say, hold on. You know that's not right. You shouldn't say that. You know you shouldn't do that. Hold on. You know, oh, you have a feeling of condemnation. Man, I I know I've passed this. I know that I've, I've come clean, but why do I still feel guilty? The Holy Spirit will speak and say, hang on, you're forgiven. You don't need to worry about that. You don't need to look back at that anymore. Look to Jesus. What did he do? He, he paid for it. He, he paid for you to be forgiven. He shed his blood so that you could have forgiveness of your sins. The, that's the voice that we listen to. And when I mess up, I got to choose to run to The Father, I gotta run home. Just as the prodigal son, eventually he came to his senses and says, "I'm going home. I'm going home." That's what we have to do in the spiritual realm. Even though I may not be a prodigal, where I'm so I'm I'm well removed from the family, even when I drift a little, I need to say, "I'm going home," which is where it's in Jesus. It's in our heavenly Father. First John one nine says this: If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When you mess up, don't hide it. Don't run away. Run to the Father. And here's what I want to remind you of. I want to remind you of this. The failure you committed after you got saved is under the blood like the failures you committed before you got saved. The failure you committed after you got saved is under the blood just like the failures you committed before you got saved. Meaning this, you won't be perfect. You're going to mess up. You may fall and stumble into sin or into a temptation, but as long as you're not doing it willingly, knowingly, running into sin and temptation, as long as you are choosing to get back up and run, you got to remind yourself that the blood of Jesus is sufficient to forgive my sin. Not just the sins before I was saved, but my mess ups and my screw ups and my fall, my falls after I've been saved. His blood is sufficient. But once again, let me remind you of conviction here. The grace of Jesus, the grace of Jesus is not to be abused. We see it so clear in the new Testament. They talk about it and they write about it time and time again. In Galatians five, it says this verse 13 for you have been called to live in freedom. My brothers and sisters but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. This is what so many people do. Well, I'm forgiven. I'm fine. I'm saved. I'm going to live however I want now. And yeah, it may not align with God's word, but I'm forgiven. All covered by grace, brother. But God's word makes it clear. That's not how we're called to live. We're not called to live that way. Don't lose, don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Why? Time is too short. The calling is too great to continue to use our freedom of grace, the freedom of grace to satisfy the lust of the flesh. Time is too short. The calling is too great to mess around with sin. We are called to live in freedom. As I wrap up, let me remind you of this. Oftentimes, the enemy will use ourselves to keep us in bondage the bondage of condemnation. Let me say it again. Oftentimes, the enemy will use ourselves to keep us in bondage, in the bondage to condemnation. And I would say uh, this. Let me take it a step further. Sometimes it's easy to receive grace from God, but hard to receive grace from ourselves. Sometimes it's easy to receive grace from God, but hard to receive grace from ourselves. And so here's my question for you today. Here's something to reflect on. With everything we've talked about, Are you giving grace to yourself? Again, not a pass to continue sinning, but if you're trying to live and you're striving and you're repenting, are you giving grace to yourself? Are you still beating yourself up for a mistake you made, even though God's already forgiven you? Are you still hanging on to it? Are you still reminding yourself of it? Are you still bringing it up? Don't hold yourself to a standard that even God, your heavenly Father who loves you, isn't holding you to. He looks at you. Why does he forgive you? Because you've earned it? No. (laughs) We can never earn it. We can never earn salvation or, or, um, or the forgiveness. Only one person could get it for us, and that's Jesus. And he paid a high price for you to live free. So if you're hanging on to something today, if you're hanging on to a past that's holding you back, if you're hanging on to something that's just a burden on your mind, would you let it go? Would you take it to God? And I'm going to pray for us here in just a second. But would you just release it to him and lay it at his feet and say, Lord, help me walk in freedom. If we're going to experience increase in the freedom God has for us, we need to do four things. Number one, what? Admit that I need help. The only people who can't get free are the ones who won't admit that they have a problem. Number two, repent to God and <laughs> to other people. Confess. And then what? Renew your mind. Give that brain a bath from time to time in God's word. And and your actions will follow what you're doing with your mind. Reject condemnation receive conviction. The devil knows your name, but he will call you by your sin. Don't listen to that voice. God knows your sin, but he will call you by your name, which aligns with his word. Listen for the voice of your heavenly father, of your shepherd. The grace of Jesus is not to be abused. It's not a pass to continue sinning. It's actually an invitation to go to a new level and to live righteously. That's why We have the gift of the Holy Spirit to convict us. It's a gift that he gives us to convict us. Why? So we can change and we can continue to live, love, and look more like Jesus every single day. So today I pray, and here in a second I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that we would experience the freedom that God has for us. God, God wants you to be free. He doesn't want you to go back and be addicted to sin or addicted to something or, or, or addicted to that temptation and fall into an identity crisis. No, He doesn't want that for you. God has freedom for you, and, and uh, He's got good things for you. He loves you so very much, so very much. Let me pray for you. And as I pray, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Would you just put your hands, just wherever you're at, just put your hands palm up just like this, just a way of receiving this prayer. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, right now, I come before you in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, right now, I ask you, and we ask you as a church, Lord, to forgive us from any sins. Lord, we repent. We want to change our mind and change our ways so that we can follow you better. Lord, would you forgive us of our sins? Would you? We just ask you to release us, Lord, from every bondage that might be holding us back. Something that, that is bitterness may be root, rooted in us. Something that is an addiction that we just can't shake, Lord. If there's something in us, that a sin or a guilt that we can't get free from, Lord, I ask you, would you, release us from it? Would you help us get free from it? And right now in the mighty name of Jesus, I command every demonic spirit to go in Jesus' name. Not in the power of of my might, of Pastor Dan's words. No, in the power of the name of Jesus. I speak right now against bitterness, against jealousy, against insecurity, against self-hate or or destruction. I I speak right now against fear, against anxiety, a spirit of depression or suicide. Uh, I speak against any spirit of, of all forms of sexual impurity. I speak right now in the name of Jesus. I command you to go release in the name of Jesus. Jesus, be free. And I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ that they would experience and receive, Lord, your freedom starting today. And Lord, moving forward, we know that we need to continue to renew our mind. And Lord, as we look to your word as the best way to do that, we think that as we renew our mind, we will walk more and more in your will for our lives. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen.